The Lifestylist, episode 29, featuring the Jing Slingers. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. On October 29th, 1970 in Denver, Colorado, something very strange and wonderful happened. A woman gave birth to a young nine-pound baby boy and was to name him Luke Story. Later in life, he would go on to start a podcast called The Lifestylist, and you would be sitting here today listening to that man. Here I am, folks, Luke Story from LukeStory.com, living out my dream, helping you to live your dreams by presenting to you episode 29 of the Lifestylist podcast, featuring today's guest, the Jingslingers, the couple Jay and Joy. Now, I've seen the Jingslingers around for many a year at all of the health conferences at Erwan and around town, and they are kind of known as the badass superfood, super herb caterers to the stars. So in today's episode with them, we cover conscious eating, whether you're a vegan, a paleo, however you identify, these people know their shit when it comes to food. And I hate really mixing the word shit and food because it doesn't really whet the appetite much, but let's just say they know what they're talking about. So on today's show, we cover their organic, gluten-free, sugar-free, paleo and vegan desserts and dishes and their new cookbook, which teaches you how to make them yourself. We talk about the next wave of healthy catering. What are the top foods to avoid at the grocery? store, how to make healthy food actually taste good. You know, that can be tricky sometimes, right? How we can switch from an organic diet on a budget. It's a huge complaint people have. I want to eat organic, but I can't afford it. You know what? You can. That is a lie. We're going to teach you how today. We also cover the secret of eating dairy, even if you're sensitive to it. How to stay safe and healthy on a vegan diet. That's kind of a risky diet for some people, and you have to really fine-tune that in order to make it work for you uh, in a long-term basis. We cover the top herbs to incorporate into your diet. Shopping and farmer's markets, knowing what questions to ask once you get there to meet your farmer. Growing your own food in urban gardens, and of course, the best sugar-free sweeteners, because let's face it, the Jinxlingers are really known for their delicious desserts. So thank you so much for joining me today. I can't wait to share this episode with you. We had a lot of fun sitting down here in the studio, the three of us. We were vibing, having a good time, having a really fun, casual conversation per usual. I learned a lot and I know you will too. I want to remind you to go over to lukestory.com and when you get to my homepage, you're going to see a little tab that says join the tribe. Guess what? You're already in my tribe if you're listening to this podcast. When you do that, what happens is you get to sign up for my newsletter. And when you're on my newsletter, do I send you a bunch of spammy, weird crap and try and sell you stuff every five minutes? No, contrary. What I actually do is send you amazing free content like notifications every time I put out a podcast or a new video, or even if I'm a guest on someone else's podcast, if you happen to care to listen 
listen to me. So sign up at lukestory.com. We're also going to send you the show notes with all of the clickable links from every single episode. So listen, dude, you don't have to remember anything. You can kick back, listen to this interview with the Jinxlingers and know that every resource and link and note that we talk about on the show is going to be delivered directly to your inbox. But that's not going to happen if you're not on the newsletter. So get over there and do that. And while you're tooling around on my site, what the hell, you might as well go to the support this podcast page, which can be found at lukestory.com forward slash support and offer a one-time or even a monthly monetary pledge to help fund this here podcast. But hey, check it out. If you're just listening and you don't want to support the show by pulling out your wallet, that's totally cool too. I'm going to keep delivering this show every damn Tuesday until somebody comes and stops me. All right, what I want you to do now is take your finger, reach down and touch your phone. Click on subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode number 30 featuring Dr. Andrew Hill, where we talk about optimizing your brain through neuroscience and neurofeedback. It's a fantastic episode. Number 30, next Tuesday. Click subscribe so you don't miss it. Today's episode is brought to you by livinglibations.com. Living Libations is an exquisite line of botanical beauty products, immune-enhancing formulas, and potent dental serums for those seeking the purest of health and wellness products on the planet. They are absolutely my number one personal go-to when it comes to dental hygiene products, skincare products, and essential oils. And I have to say, their Poetic Pits deodorant is probably the only natural deodorant on the planet that not only works, but actually smells really good. It works with your body's own biochemistry, and each person that wears it kind of has their own scent. I like Palo Santo, personally. I use it every day. I'm like freaking out because I'm about to take a trip to New York, and I just ran out of it, and I don't think I can get a shipment in time. That's how much I need that stuff. So Living Libations is an amazing company. I'm always recommending them to all of my clients and friends. Totally legit products. Here's the good news, though. You're going to get a little discount code. So if you go to livinglibations.com and use the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout, you will save 10% off your order. So that's livinglibations.com. Use the code LIFESTYLIST and save 10%. Joey Coelho and Jay Denman, also known as the Jingslingers, are culinary professionals that live and teach the art and alchemy of jingslinging. They create insanely healthy, remarkably easy, and cleverly conscious comfort food recipes that supercharge your life force using superfoods, super herbs, and spices from all over the world. Their high-powered, anti-aging, nutrient-dense, sugar-free, and gluten-free desserts and everyday meals are shockingly delicious. Jay and Joy sling their superhero recipes and red carpet protocols to Hollywood celebrity clients and for events like the Oscars and the Grammys. Through their workshops, seminars, and speaking engagements, they continue to spread the message that healthy organic food can not only change your life and taste delicious, but it can also be easy to prepare and to afford. So here we've got the Jing Slingers, Jay and Joy, in studio today. I'm super stuffed because they just brought me some treats we're going to learn about. So welcome to the show, both of you. Oh, we're so happy to be here. Thank you, Luke. Yeah, um, yeah thanks, Luke. Absolutely. It's, it's fun to hang out. It's funny when I have people come over to the home studio, it's like, 
like when Rich Roll was here doing an episode, we had like a great, rec- it should have been recorded like a half an hour before. <laughs> like, God, I just need to turn the mics on and you guys walk in and we just go. Because you guys listening, you just missed out. We already had like an amazing talk about chiropractic and all this stuff. So we'll see if we can recreate that. But it's great to see you guys. And thank you for bringing me treats. When you mentioned that the other day, I didn't know you were actually serious. You were like, oh, yeah, we'll bring some stuff. I was like, oh, that's a nice thing to say. But you guys actually did it, and I just gone to the gym and worked out, and then I went to yoga for 90 minutes. So when you guys pulled your car up, I was like, I hope they have something because I'm famished. <laughs> so thank you. So what was it that I just uh, ate? So you manifested, my handsome friend, um, our silken kabocha soup that we fortified. We did a little extra bulletproofing to it. We used the bulletproof collagen in it as well, and it's all organic kabocha squash. Um, we've got a brain octane oil in there as well as um, a whole bunch of different herbs. We have some herbs in there as well. Um, I had you top it. You know, we put. We I like for people to be able to adjust their food, dial it into themselves. So we had some pumpkin seed oil on the top, some some raw dairy and pumpkin seed oil for the hormones, and then we also had a little bit of coconut milk just to make it pretty and get a little bit more. And, um, and then we had those nuts that on the top, and that was uh, some styrian pumpkin seeds um, as well as some uh, raw cashews that were completely encrusted with ashwagandha and shaga and some um it was literally brought to your palate with uh some curry spices so you you got curry instead of a lot of times with the chinese herbs or the ayurvedic herbs it's a little about eating like burnt tires but this way it's just this this great feel and um and taste that was not burnt tires by any stretch. <laughs> like, um, I could seriously pound a gallon of that soup. It was like it was really, really good. And then, what did I have for a dessert? Which is right now, guys. By the way, it's like noon. <laughs> Had a dessert, but I'm assuming it was low glycemic and not like sugary. I didn't even ask. I just know you guys roll like that. So, what was that amazing little bar that I had? That we bought at Ralph's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that is our WTF, and you can you know what those that that acronym is bars. It is the answer to the seven layer bars as we're rolling into the holidays here. Um, we it's, it's important for people to be able to stay on the lifestyle and the food that they really love, but we want that food to love them back. So by uh, being able to do something that's sugar free, gluten free, grain free, fat burning, and still have all the nutrients in it. Um, along with the the, el- the cellular tumor of the herbs, um, you had seven layer bars basically, and it's um, it's all those things. It's it's literally diff- three different recipes from our book that you just layer. I have to say that I'm feeling super super energized, and I was actually pretty fatigued today. Lately, I don't know. I've just been kind of burning the candle and adjusting my sleep schedule because I'm going to New York next week. So I'm going to bed earlier and waking up way earlier. So I'm a little bit zonked out and I'm like super amped. I had to calm myself down before I started recording because I was, you know, I'm fiddling with the recording equipment and getting everything right. (laughs) I don't want to keep you guys waiting. So I started to get a little anxious. And then once I calmed down, just mentally now, I feel highly charged. It's crazy. Is that upright chi? Are, are you pretty sensitive? Do you feel the effects of herbs and foods pretty easily? I do, yeah. Especially ones that are stimulating. Uh, you've been jing smacked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can start with the astragalus. Right. <laughs> well, the, the caramel sauce had um, the chi herbs, so it had the astragalus and Siberian ginseng. And then, of course, there was chocolate, you know, which is stimulating in self. And then, as Joy said, the the bar was the the pie crust. Was were there any herbs in the in the um, pie crust? Uh, no, just just a little bit of lion's mane. Hmm. Yeah, fantastic. So 
before I start getting hungry again from talking about all this amazing you know food, in the fridge. yeah, exactly. <laughs> be like, this will be the shortest podcast ever recorded. Fifteen minutes, we're out of here. I'm going to the fridge. First of all, how did you two meet anyway? Because you two are a couple together, right? We can share that publicly. Yes, of right? course, yeah. You guys listening, they were they're sharing a mic because my studio is only set up for two people. And I was like, oh, man, I, I think they're together. I sure hope so because they're going to be <laughs> sitting like cheek to cheek doing the recording. So how did you guys meet anyway? Actually, I was uh, watching the Longevity Now conference in sitting in Pember Pines, Florida, on the other side of the continent while they were doing a live feed with uh, Truth Calkins and Jay Demon on stage, and they made peanut butter ice cream without peanuts. And I had given up peanuts because of the aflatoxins a long time ago, so they had my full-on attention. And as I watched the, this was towards the end, that was the Elixir Masters, I think it was the last day of the yeah. conference, and I had been watching the live stream. And I had already started my, my journey in uh, becoming just a superhero, really, getting better and better about everything and very mindful about what was happening with my you know much older body here. So after watching that, I contacted uh, Longevity and found out when the next one was, and it was literally only a few months. That one was in the spring, and they had another one coming in fall. Yeah, they were doing them every six I months. I was booked and done and there, went to the event, met Truth. Um, immediately, you could tell this was cement to be, and then I was with him 24-7 for six weeks. I mentored with Truth, and that's where I met Jay. Mm-hmm. And um, and I had been uh, working with Truth at the Air One Tonic Bar for about four years full time. Dude, you've probably made me drinks before, and I don't even realize oh, it. Oh, absolutely. I've been going there for 27 years. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I was there for six-plus years total. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy that we never met officially. Yeah. yeah. You're one of those guys. I mean, I've seen you around the scene for a while, and you mm-hmm. look familiar, but I don't, I've never like shaken your hand and had a conversation until really this moment, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. I was at Erewhon for a long time, and then I, I designed and I ran the Longevity Conference Tonic Bars for a long time, too, for, for those. Um, when Joy actually first came out here to LA, I had just left the Erewhon Tonic Bar to do a consulting job in Tokyo uh, for a tonic bar project out there. And I was actually planning on being out there for several years doing that, but I went out there to do some preliminary work in November. And then it was just one of those things where it's like there was a ton of flow, and then I got there and there was no flow whatsoever. And so, you know, I said, you know what? It, LA is calling me back. So I came back here, and that's when I met Joy. And actually, four months after that was when they had the earthquake in, in Tokyo. So I met Joy. She had met some TV people out here in LA who wanted to do a TV show with her, and she brought Truth and I into the project. And then, you know, as things go in Hollywood, that just didn't end up working out. But, you know, we ended up in love. So, <laughs> uh, totally. So, she saved you from a deadly earthquake, yes. um, saved you from possibly, a, you know, a bad reality show. Let's face it, nine times out of 10, that's what happens. And here you are having a business together, the Jinx Slinger. So, mm-hmm. when did you guys decide, wow, we really have something to offer here and start doing, you know, your services and working with clients and making the amazing things you do together? Well, we'd been doing it separately for a long time. So, I'd been doing the, the talk thing for a long time and joy you know grew up in the kitchen her mom was a baker so and she's always done catering um, projects so um, it was just really a natural thing for us to combine our, our talents and you know to work together with clients and things like that so we're, we're doing some high-end personal chefing for a while and over the last year we've really stepped away from that we were writing the cookbook and now that the book's out we're we're doing um, just more promotion with that, with, with the book. And uh, we have our first product that just debuted at the Bulletproof Conference. And so we're, we're really showing people how to fish rather than fishing for them. 
what I'm hearing here is you have an idea that's now scalable, right? And so you built the yeah. foundation of the business, and now you're like, okay, cool. Let's see if we can reach more people on a, on a more grand scale. Is that a correct assessment? Yeah, we yeah. really wanted to have um, all the things that we were bringing to these beautiful and wonderful you know, red carpet people um, for the everyday soccer mom to be able to do this and be able to show them how to do it and be able to afford to be able to do this. Because the first thing out of a lot of people's uh, mouths when you talk about organic or superfoods is, oh, they're expensive. But we then when you look at the overall cost, like what does it cost you? Sometimes your life. So you're able, we're able to show them how to do this batch cook, where to get the best deals, all that, and how to, how to do it and literally feel better sometimes immediately. People like yourself who apparently, he's a responder, Jay, we got him. <laughs> oh, totally. I'm I'm serious. I was Looks like, sensitive. I was smoked this morning because <laughs> I looked at my calendar. I was like, oh man, eleven. I need some more recovery time, and it's like now I don't. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll give you the recipe for that. No worries. <laughs> and so we, I want everyone to be able to do this. It's it's everyone's birthright. You know, really, I'm talking about gleaming radiant health. You know, I'm a half a click away from 60 years old, and I'll be, I'm in my 59th year now, and I'm better now than I was at 35. And that's literally no BS. I, I wake up, you know, ready to paint the house. I've got, you know, energy for everything. It's ridiculous when you really understand how to tune your meat suit and get it square. That's what I call it, meat suit. That's funny. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, the, the vehicle, the rental vehicle. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. And it, we have so much power inside of us, and we really understand how it's all interconnected because we do things well, well beyond the plate, but it starts the epicenter of what we do is certainly, you know, for your palate. It really shows people how to, you know, just use the power that's in them to be able to pro- propel themselves into places that they probably didn't think they could, and it's, it's, it's waiting for them. They just have to turn it up. There's a couple points there that I want to cover. A is... The objection about the expense, you know, because this is what people, the same thing, they tell me when I work with clients or friends or family or I recommend things to listeners, et cetera, that's the number one thing. Oh, but it's too expensive. It's too expensive. I'm like, dude, have you ever priced dialysis, chemo? <laughs> When's the last time you had a surgery? You know, right. it's like, yeah, your insurance is going to cover some of that, but not, not even counting like the value of your life. Like you said, like it could cost you your life, but monetarily speaking, to eat GMO, aspartame, corn syrup, um, canola oil, like that world of the average American grocery store, <laughs> it's going to get very expensive very soon. And for some people, their threshold, their breaking point is 45 Some people it's 65 But eventually, man, you're going to pay the piper, and it's going to come out of your wallet. That's how I look at it. I mean, I have health insurance. It's like it's like $400 a month or something. And, you know, I probably don't need it. But if I get hit by a bus, I would want an allopathic Western doctor to put me right. back together, yeah. you know. But other than that, I really don't go to the doctor because of what you're talking about, the lifestyle changes. And so I might spend a bit more than your average person on superfoods and herbs and organic food, although I've toned that down a lot in recent years because now I, I feel pretty good. You know, I don't need all the weird stuff that I used to be recommended by our friend Truth, you know. I mean, he, he'd have me spending like $3,000 a month. You need this, 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 and I would take it. But I, I did. It worked. I got better. But um, I think that's a crucial thing for people to understand, and I love that you're doing it in a way where it's accessible and at least you can give – you know, your average person a starting point that's not going to put them into debt or, you know, having to take out a second mortgage because they're buying $300 bottles of supplements or whatever, you know? Yeah. And we, when we were writing our cookbook, really took that in, into mind. So we designed it in a way that we have the, the base recipe and then we have the, what we call jing it up. So the jing it up is extra 
tonic herb superfoods that you can put into it to enhance it. But for the most part, the base recipes are all ingredients you know anybody's really heard of because we wanted people to be able to kind of tiptoe into it because yeah you know if you're not if you're new to tonic herbs and tonic herbs can be things from you know turmeric and, and ginger to to rosemary and, and garlic but when you get into more of like the chinese tonic herbs or ayurvedic tonic herbs or amazonian herbs you know it, it's new waters for a lot of people so we have in the book we have a whole section in the beginning where we have a superfood glossary and we kind of explain the science and traditional uses behind those things and then in the recipe section they get to really choose how far they want to go and you know how fast or how slow that's super smart yeah so you have little upgrades that you can do rather than like hey so here's these brownies you can make they cost $85 right <laughs> you need to buy 22 herbs just to make brownies <laughs> yeah right? that's yeah. that's a really that's a really good approach I like the moderate approach that's what I love about the bulletproof diets it's, it's on a spectrum you know it's not like yeah. a good bad black white it's it's a non-dual approach to eating and um, it sounds like your book and the recipes in it are kind of approached from the same way where at least like your raw materials in the beginning are affordable to most people more so than they might think but then if you want to get crazy and start adding the upgrades then you know what to put that's not going to make it taste bad. All right, mm-hmm. we give them the resources for that as well and as far as it's it's why we did comfort food because one of the things that was across the board didn't matter if it was you know a celebrity or a, just an everyday person they miss having you know certain comfort foods especially around the holidays certain foods and so be able, they can have pizza three different ways they can have ice cream Jinglato, I think you've had some of ours. Oh yeah, yeah. On numerous occasions. Yes, <laughs> and we're talking about that's you know a few minutes. And do you do you have to have the five hundred dollar blender? Um, the the Vitamix works awesome, and we love it. Don't get me wrong, ours has more miles than the space shuttle on it. But you know you can do it in a smaller blender too. Just make the, a, a half a batch. So we we show people how to do this with a dollar ninety nine can of you know coconut milk that's organic. So we we literally give them the opportunity to have the foods they love. They'll put it out there and the people don't know the difference. Like if you didn't know that cookie you had a little while ago um, was completely fat burning, brain building, you know, um, hormone modulating and gave you a little upright chi that you're experiencing, you know, would you know that? I'd have no idea, honestly. Like that tastes like it could it could have come, from, and I don't mean this to offend you. Mm-hmm. It's an it's a compliment, but it could have come <laughs> from the little Starbucks dessert thing or whatever. Like honestly, you could put them in there. I don't think anyone would even know the difference. What was the um, sweetener in there, by the way? Uh, we used actually there was three sweeteners in there because we had three different layers of things. Um, there was some Lakanto in there. We love the Lakanto. Uh, which is monk fruit and um, and some urethritol, and then there's also some birch xylitol. We only use birch xylitol when we use it. Not the GMO corn kind. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. The devil's in the details, my love, and I I yeah. love that about you, by the way. Just so you know, um, and the other one is um, is our stevia. Some of it was some green leaf stevia, which is a stevia that's just been powderized, and the rest of it was um, for a little bit of culinary flavor. We use the both the chocolate stevia, the toffee stevia was in the caramel. Uh, the caramel, and then the vanilla stevia was pretty much across the board in all of it. So, and then we also use whenever I can use vanilla bean powder instead, I do. Whenever I can, you know, switch those things out, and we talk about that in the in the book. In fact, that we have one little section that's just on sweeteners, so you can pick and choose. Because if you're cool with honey, then by all means use honey. Uh, we don't like to heat honey, but if your honey is good for you, then do that. It's a really interesting thing when you see how many options you really have. And when you buy some of these things, you know, they're, they're a half pound, a quarter pound, or if some of the herbs are in two ounce and four ounce bags, mm. they'll last you a long time because you're only using about pinches of these things. 
Yeah, if you if you are smart, you only use pinches. The problem that I've had a lot was I was talking to you guys before we recorded. I've had to really tone down my spending on herbs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Because I don't follow like the recommended dosage guidelines, it'll be like a quarter teaspoon. I'm like, that's for wimps, you know. So I put two tablespoons, you know. Not only does all my stuff taste nasty, really. On, I mean, I don't know. I have people over. I make them a smoothie. They say it's good. I think they might be lying. Um, I'm really going for effect more than I am flavor when it's my own stuff um, that I'm making at home. But I think I probably there's that law of diminishing returns. I'm probably wasting so much money by putting. Massive doses that you know you have a threshold. I'm sure of assimilation, right? So it's like, yeah. how much reishi mushroom can your body really utilize? You know, so that's something that I've had to work on. Well, I, I would guess that at monster herbal doses like that, that you're in the bathroom quite a bit too. <laughs> well, sometimes <laughs> that's the point, but yeah, it depends. It depends on what. Yeah, I learned when I first got on the brain, oct- the bulletproof brain octane. <laughs> yeah. it, it actually, I'm not that sensitive to it, but. I'm just like, oh, teaspoon or whatever, two tablespoons. I'm like, oh, start slow. I'm like, I don't start anything slow. So I would just chug it out of the bottle, you know, and did get what's known as disaster pants a couple times. But then <laughs> I um, then I learned I learned my lesson fairly fast. Hey, by the way, before I forget, and we're gonna put in the show notes, but what's the actual name of your book? It's called Food with Benefits. Cool, perfect. It's on Amazon. I need to get on Amazon. Yeah. Right, we're definitely going to link to it, but I just wanted to make sure and mention that. Um, Joy, you you mentioned something that gr- grabbed my attention, and I think a lot of people are unaware of this. In fact, I recently heard a massive leader in the health industry suggesting that you feed your kids peanut butter uh, at a talk, and I was like, hmm, I don't, <laughs> I don't think you want to give your kids peanut butter. What's the deal with peanuts? Uh, well, for me in particular, I'm sensitive to the aflatoxins, and when you have conventional peanuts, and they're siloed, and they're conventional, usually grown with pesticides and all other sorts of other than wonderfuls, um, it assimilates it to us. Um, and people who are sensitive, again, it can be anything from headaches to neurological issues um, because of those aflatoxins. So peanuts, it's why you can't even bring them in schools anymore. You can't bring a peanut butter sandwich to school anymore. It has to be almond butter. And that happens in, in, in more than one school system. So it's the aflatoxins, it's the molds that happen. So what's the answer to that? The answer to that is either a spread or something you can use by using the pumpkin seed oil. The styrian pumpkin seed oil tastes just like roasted peanuts, but it's good for the you know good for the hormones. It's good for a lot of different things. So you can have that flavor again. It doesn't matter if it's an ice cream or a spread, or you put it in some coconut cream and, and have it as a dessert. It's it's a wonderful thing. So we really do like that, and we we do like the heirloom jungle peanuts too. Yes, I was gonna. That, that's my next question. But, Stop Jedi minding yeah. me. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> but the trick is, is that you know because they're known really in the raw food world, people eat them raw. You got to roast them a little bit. Uh, the flavor hard to comes digest out. or just flavor wise. Flavor wise. Flavor wise. And, and not even really roasted. Like all you do is you take a just a dry pan, and obviously with no Teflon or stick stuff on it you want like a nice either a cast iron pan or a stainless steel pan put it on the stove um, throw them on top of the stove put it put the peanuts in it so they're evenly layered out and just roll them back and forth for a couple of minutes it allows the oils to come out and all of a sudden now you go from having something that's maybe not as um, pleasing to the palate to be like oh, that's that roasted peanut flavor you've had the whole time growing up yeah. it doesn't really cook the peanut all the way through it's enough just to release the oils and just a little bit of a uh, of Celtic sea salt on it, and you're ready to go. And the jungle peanuts are less susceptible to the mold because of the process that they use? 
I think it's just, I think it's the peanut itself as well as um, how they how they get to us. So the answer to that is yes. Right. Um, but we've also noticed that people who have peanut allergies are able to uh, well, not all people, but most people are able to. They they have to give this a try and check with their doctor because we have to say that uh, that they can have jungle peanuts, throw them in the blender or in their food processor, and make some peanut butter from these jungle peanuts. They can jing them up or put a little salt, do whatever, and it's. They're completely fine. You know what's trippy? If I eat regular organic peanut butter, it makes my nose stuffy almost immediately. Most of the time, not every single time, but most of the time, because I, you know, have kind of done an elimination diet over the years, where nice. I just like, you know, I don't eat beans and legumes and inflammatory stuff, grains and all that's pretty much out. Uh, but what's interesting is I'm not allergic to peanuts. Because I've been tested for it. I don't have a peanut allergy. So I was like, well, why can't I? Because I used to eat just like tablespoons and tablespoons of peanut butter. It's like a great snack. And it's frankly like a little tastier to me than like a almond butter or oh, cashew yeah. butter. I mean, come on. It's like I grew up on Skippy, you know. Uh, and then I had the jungle uh, peanuts because you see those at the health food store. And it's like I eat them raw because I didn't know about your roasting trick. I'm now enlightened. But I don't get a stuffy nose from that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, it's those when, you, when your diet becomes more clean, I've noticed that you're able to pick up subtle cues. It's like, huh, why am I why do I have a headache? I don't get headaches. Something's right. off. Right, cuz you're used to feeling good. Yeah, your baseline changes, isn't it? Right, yeah. you're not you're not um, numbed by kind of a constant film of toxicity and, and mucus. So, yeah, you're, <laughs> yeah. you become more sensitive <laughs> yeah. and you notice things. Yeah, having a constant film of mucus does not sound like a quality. Of yeah, that life. was a good visual, Jay. That was awesome. <laughs> okay, well, you do need a constant film of mucus in like your stomach, but you know, you know yeah. what I mean. I'm picturing like Ghostbusters when they get spooged. <laughs> on, <you know? laughs> Plasma. Yeah, that's what's going on in most people's bodies. <laughs> right. So while we're on the topic of you know just clean up the general diet, I want to make one suggestion um, for myself that I that I do, and that's um, to get kind of raw materials like almond butter and things like that. I always get it from uh, Thrive Market. Mm-hmm. Do you guys use them at all just to get, you know, coconut milk and just kind of those base sort of things that you keep in your pantry? Or do you guys have other connects for that that you might recommend? We do, but we also, we love going to the farmer's market. There's something about having a real hand in it. And don't get me wrong, there is um, a brilliance in it being delivered to your door because time is money and, and our time is valuable and it's precious, especially when you talk about family time. So if that can save you some time, that's we love that. But I love the belly-to-belly. It's, it takes a little bit more time, but I love taking a Sunday or a Wednesday or whatever the farmer's market that we're going to is, is open and available and getting those things from them directly. So it doesn't matter if it's coconut milk that they've actually cracked the coconuts and they've you know, pressed it themselves or – uh, or, the, or it's just the, the flavor in it and the love that's in it. You just feel it. It's different. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that's a. I forgot about that suggestion. I think because the farmers market that I really like here in Hollywood is Sunday morning, and it's super early. Yeah. And I have a couple other. You know, everything cool happens on Sunday mornings, like my favorite <laughs> meditation class, my yoga class, like everything I want to do. So the farmers market kind of gets edged out. But I agree. That's like that's the definitely like at the top of the pyramid. I'd yeah. say. And then the other thing that we do for as far as um, cost savings is buying in bulk. So Case. yeah. So we either buy cases of if we're at the store or just the larger bags. Like if you're getting the larger bag of herbs, you know, you're gonna be getting thirty percent more for your money. 
So just planning ahead for something like that is another way that you can make your dollar stretch further for your yeah, superfoods and herbs. And going back to the coconut milk, even the organic coconut milk that's and it is in a can. It's a PPA free can, but the the Whole Foods coconut milk is a dollar ninety nine. But you know you're going to be using it, and it's not like you're not going to use it next week and the week after that. So when you buy the twenty four cans. Um, not only sometimes I wait till it, go, till it goes on sale, and then I get the case, and I get 10% off the case. So now you've got the sale price, and you get the case price. And that's that's a deal that's cheaper than getting it pretty much anywhere else. That's awesome, yeah. Really good suggestions. And this is good information for people that are concerned with the spending. Because when someone... <laughs> comes over from the dark side of you know Costco and whatever wherever they're getting their normal quote unquote food uh, and they try to do this that that objection again is, is something I hear a lot I mean not so much in my circles like you know my friends that live in Hollywood I mean they all spend six hundred dollars a week at Erwan like idiots like me <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's because you want it already done yeah but but uh, you know for for your average person that's like oh yeah maybe I should eat organic I mean to me it's just I live in this paradigm where to pull a plant out of the ground that's literally been sprayed by poison and then eat it. Like, why would you eat a plant that someone sprayed poison on? That's how weird that is to me. Mm -hmm. But we're just, you know, it's like the whole thing of conventional and organic. It's like, no, dude, organic is conventional. Like, right. <laughs> that's how human beings started practicing agriculture whenever they did that, right? Like, there were no poisons. You figured it out with herbs and ladybugs and whatever yeah. they did. The game changed when we weren't looking, and people still haven't looked up to know the difference. And if you saw the difference in something as simple as a potato, like, people don't even realize that um, potatoes, we won't say, you know, whom these potatoes are grown for, but they literally are so steeped in, um, in pesticides and, um, and a growing medium that's other than wonderful, but it gives them a, a, a perfect potato each time that they have to take them out of the ground and then put them in these huge hangars where they um, air them out and humans cannot go in there because it's so toxic until they're aired out. And uh, I'll say the reference on that. Um, it's, it's ridiculous. So, and then, then and they're wearing hazmat suits. But we're going to feed those to our two-year-old. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, it's bizarre. I've heard that about potatoes, that they're one of the riskiest foods to not eat organic. It soaks everything in. What's up with this? We're hearing a lot about, you know, everyone kind of, even I think regular people have a feeling Monsanto does not have the public's interest at heart. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's great people working there that are just trying to do their job and make money and they have investors and the bottom line and they're on the stock market and all that. Okay, I'll give them that. But the thing that concerns me a lot is Roundup, you know, glyphosate. And we're starting to hear that word a lot in the health circles now, glyphosate, glyphosate. Do you guys know anything about that? And I've heard that it's like in almost everything and that any flour you eat that's not organic is going to be covered in that and it stays in your body and all weird, scary stuff. Yeah, well, it's... There's been so much of it now. Um, I, I read an article recently saying that it was found in, in honey and even in very small concentrations in, in vaccines. And just because so much food is grown with it, that it ends up, you know, because when it first comes out, they're like, oh, no, no, it, it'll never make it into the human body. You know, just like genetically modified foods when they're eaten by, you know, feedlock cows, et cetera, et cetera. And then years later, they do the studies and it's like, oh, it's showing up in the umbilical cord blood, you know. So they don't do the science on it, first of all, to really understand what's going to be happening with it. As far as glyphosate goes, I do know originally it was used as a um, mineral chelator. So there is concern that it also creates mineral deficiencies, pulling minerals out of the body. 
Wow, that's right. Yeah, I, I heard about that. And and then also a lot of your functional medicine doctors and just people that are in natural healing sort of attribute most chronic diseases to mineral deficiencies at the bottom line too, which you see how all this stuff's kind of connected, right? And then I can imagine if you're taking something meant to kill things, you're killing the gut biome too probably, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's got to not be fun for your gut. So now you're a desert. And so your gut biome doesn't have the things to make the serotonin. It doesn't have the things that make you feel good. It doesn't. Your food doesn't digest. You don't get the nutrients. And the food we're getting is already about seventy-five percent um, across the board. That's Tufts University's work. Um, less nutrient dense than it was just you know twenty-five years ago. Twenty-five, not even. So if we're if we're eating food that is a toxic sponge that doesn't have the nutrients in it and that's what we're filling our pie hole with, then you know it's going to come out on the other end because you literally are what you eat. You know, it's simple as that. This is cellular attunement. So if you're eating something that's toxic, it gives your body more of a job to do to try to mitigate it. So now you've got your body working harder with less fuel. What what does that mean? Breakdown. That's what that means. Hmm. And just to get back to kind of the larger picture you're talking about you know, best interests and in, in Monsanto and stuff like that. It's really, it's just like the pharmaceutical industry that most pharmaceuticals come from a natural plant that they find and they isolate the one or two components that have that effect and then they synthetically produce them so they can do a patent on them. Well, you know, Monsanto has been doing the same thing with the food supply, creating all these Frankenstein-type seeds that they can patent and own and you know, so it's just it's just really greedy business at at the core of it. Yeah, I guess it's for the love of money. <laughs> it yeah. all comes down. You always just follow the money right. when something's fishy like that. And there's definitely a lot of fishiness in the food industry in general. And I mean, pharmaceuticals. Oh my God, that's like a whole can of worms. In terms of food, um, for someone who's maybe not you know living a totally organic, free range type lifestyle. What are some things that people want to look out for? Because I know as I started to become aware of this stuff, I would go into a store like Whole Foods and be like, it's Whole Foods. Everything's whole and food. It's natural and organic. You know, it's like then when I started becoming a little more educated and, you know, actually reading the labels, it was like, wait, huh? Well, that's what's canola oil doing in everything? What are, what are some of the things that you guys would say would be red flags to try and avoid? I think that you arm yourself with information and, you know, knowledge is probably your best food. So uh, the resource we love to give out is ewg.org, environmentalworkinggroup.org. They have the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. You can actually download that right on your phone while you're in the grocery store. And they tell you, and every year that, that list changes, about which ones that if you, if you choose to, for budget reasons, to pick a certain fruit or vegetable, you'll know which ones are like, these are so heavily pesticided and have GMO issues, then maybe these should be the ones that you do organic and the other ones, you know, just wash a little better, peel a little better, and then you're still pretty much in uh, more of a safe zone. So I really do love EWG.org, environmental work group. Ken Cook is amazing. Um, They have no stake in any products. They do it um, for the love of it and to make sure that we're safe. So I really do love letting people know about that particular resource. Yeah. And then just basic things. So if you're getting animal foods, you want the animals to be raised on a diet and lifestyle that they have been for hundreds and thousands of years. So you want, you know, cows that are grass fed and not feedlot, you know, so for animal foods in particular, it's really important not to be getting the feedlot stuff. 
because actually the macronutrients, the types of fats in them are more inflammatory when they're feedlot, you know, to say nothing of all the antibiotics and, and everything else. So um, same thing with eggs. You want to get you know, pasture-raised chicken eggs, that, you know, chickens that are eating you know, bugs and stuff like that you know, in, in their diet. Grass seed, whatever they find. You yeah. know, even pizza, a mica, they eat mica. It makes their eggs even stronger. Yeah. Um, and then with, uh, as far as fruits and vegetables, I think organic is really kind of the minimum. And if you're going out to the farmer's market like Joy was talking about earlier, then you can get into kind of deeper levels and see who's doing what, who's like mineralizing their soil, you know, and that's amazing. Um, if you have a little bit of land, you can grow your own food, which is incredible. Um, you know, we're, we're here in, in the city still, so we have, uh, we have a little patio. We grow some food when we can. About 50 pounds of food. It's, it's, yeah. It comes up. We're talking about zucchini and cucumbers and tomatoes and all of our herbs. When I say all of our herbs, I'm talking about the culinary herbs like basil and that kind of thing. And it's a little rolly pot. It's actually called a city picker. You get them at Home Depot. And it's self-watering, so when we travel, it's still it's, when we come home, is still alive. It's always good. And throughout the whole time we've been in this place four years, we're literally it's between 35 to 55 pounds of food um, every so many months. Like it's, it's literally growing your own money and you aren't out there, you know, shoveling stuff. Now we do have a worm composter, mm-hmm. which is again, it's self-serve. We take our, it's, it's this nice little circle of life where we get to take the clippings and cuttings from all of the vegetables we just pulled out of the garden, um, put those into the, the worm composter. It's a little one foot by one foot square guy. And then um, they create a worm tea and a really nutrient rich uh, organic soil that now we put back into those pots and those pots, they grow beautiful. It's remarkable when you taste the difference between that tomato and the tomato that you you know just get from uh, Ralph's. It is, it's night and day. It makes such a huge difference, and it doesn't take that much time or effort. Like we're not out there being farmers, and we're not turning compost with pitchforks. This is like the worms do the job. You use that to your advantage, and then it keeps it keeps that circle of life going where we always have you know something fresh to do that. Even the kabocha squash, not in the, the soup you had today, but we've grown those as well. So. Again, it, it doesn't take that much time. It just it's just a little bit of mindfulness and a little bit of scheduling. That's cool. We'll put those resources in the show notes too, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I've toyed at different times with urban gardening. In fact, there used to be a company here in LA. I think they went out of business probably because of people like me. But um, <laughs> they would bring like these little troughs of vegetables, and they were self watering, and they'd kind of come set it up for you, and they were already you know seedlings in there and all that, and. Uh, but you know, it was it's still for me. I mean, it sounds like your operation is like sustainable for a normal person, but I just overdid it, of course. And I had so many of these damn things. <laughs> it was like all of a sudden I was a farmer, and I ended up um, having an issue where raccoons were coming up. I had it on the roof of my apartment building, and but there were steps, you know, and these raccoons were coming up there. So I had to, I built like this booby trap where. <laughs> I, I put like this little stick with a bunch of cayenne pepper on it, like powdered cayenne pepper <laughs> with a trip wire. Cause I could, I thought one of my neighbors was messing with me. Cause what the raccoons would do is they would come pull the water thing out. Like there's a little um, spike that goes into the soil, right? And from the water line. And every couple of days it come out there and it was pulled out. And I was like, which one of my neighbors is like psycho and trying to mess with me? <laughs> so then I put a, um, a hidden camera up and then I saw that it was a raccoon, not my neighbors, <laughs> <laughs> which was, um, you know, a relief because like, who would be that weird? Like, why would one of my neighbors hate me gardening? Uh, but that, I mean, like, who, what else could pull the water spike out? And then I was like, all right, raccoon. And then I built that um, like a tripwire, you know, with the cayenne pepper. So he'd get like spray 
straight in the face. You know, <laughs> sorry, animal lovers, that was not humane. I admit it. I've, I'm a change man. I would never do that again. It I'd, did it work though? Was it, it did fair? work. <laughs> it did work. Yeah, I got to say. Um, but I love the idea. I mean, even if it's just, just I don't know. There's, sprouts. There's something like spiritually, and I also have done the sprout thing too. There's something spiritually satisfying just about letting nature make some food and you just kind of nudge it along and you eat that food. It's, it's very cool. It's a being sovereign thing, you know, being sovereign and, and knowing that you don't have to go out to the store. I love that, you know, when it goes, it's almost dinner time and we look out and, we, and we're like, what do you want? What do you feel like? Oh, what do we got? So you go out there and you look and you say, well, we've got some cucumbers, we've got some zucchini, we can zoodle up some zucchini and we've got some tomatoes and I've got an avocado and that all goes into the blender and now that makes our marinara and dinner's done and it didn't cost me a dime. And we're talking about, and that's the other thing about now, all those seeds that that we're using are seeds from the stuff we grew. So now, again, it's perpetuating. So then you take that and you save, the, save those seeds because you know only not only are they organic, but they're heirloom because you've gotten them from the farmer's market. And then those seeds go forward for the next for the next season. I don't even buy seeds. Like the seeds I have are the seeds that have come from, you know, the, we'll call them crops, although it's small, from our, from our little, you know, bountiful crop that keeps us running. And when you look at, you know, one cucumber's, you know, two dollars and fifty cents and you just took seven of them off out of your little rolly pot on the patio, uh, that's a nice chunk of change. And it works out great. It also it also really helps me as a as a chef and a caterer because um, people like to drop over like oh we're just coming over it's a it's almost dinner is it okay if we stop by and so I always have extra to be able to pull from which is nice. That's cool, yeah. And on the farmers market thing, I have never thought of actually asking the vendors and the farmers about the soil. That's interesting because. And just a trick for people that are doing farmers markets: a lot of them can't pay for, or don't want to pay for the certification to be organic. So I always ask them, like, "Do you use pesticides?" They're like, "Hell no!" And they will actually start giving you a breakdown of, you know, like a guy the other day was like, "Oh no, we use ladybugs." I was buying some raspberries or something, you know. He's like, "Oh no, we use ladybugs. We don't spray those things." So you got to ask them, you yeah. know, if they're because I don't think there's a. I've actually never asked anyone. They're like, "Yeah, we're definitely using pesticides." <laughs> they basically all say, "No, we don't spray stuff." But I never thought of like, "Well, what's your fertilizer and what's the soil profile?" Because the soil really is everything. That's where it yeah. starts from. And there's a lot of things. It's the you don't know what you don't know angle. So when companies and farmers are just dousing with you know pesticides and fungicides and there's the whole issue of what the end product has you know residual but then there's also there's that whole relationship in the soil so in the soil there are actually beneficial fungi which feed the plants minerals and they actually exchange minerals in the soil with plants and so plants will actually take up more minerals when there's this beneficial fungi in the soil well if you're doing fungicides all over your plants it's going to kill that off and so the plants are going to be less nutrient dense because of that so we're getting plants that look like the plants they're supposed to be but they don't act like the plants like inside them their blood is not you know they're their hollow they're yeah. hollow plants yeah that's interesting <laughs> something i used to play with too with my i used well, actually i don't i still have them these big like uh, wine barrels, half wine barrels, and I grow aloe vera in there. Mm. Uh, years ago, I just bought some off Craigslist. Some old Vietnamese guy way out in the valley, but he had the, he was just like the aloe vera freak because he had cured himself of cancer making this like fermented alcohol aloe vera drink. 
And he was like, I don't know, he was like 120 or something. He was an old ass guy. <laughs> but I went out there and I was like, yes, I found the beast of aloe vera in the San Fernando Valley. And I took a bunch home and I put them in these wine barrels and I started giving them rock dust minerals. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then a little bit of ocean water. And I made like the most chronic, <laughs> like just high mineral, super high vibe um, aloe vera. And I still have it. I just kind of got, I still go eat it. I just got lazy and I stopped fortifying the soil like that, which is probably why they don't look as good as they once did. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I like the idea of actually playing around with the soil too. It's fun to be able to do that. And for those of you listening, rock dust minerals is just basically ground up rocks into a powder. Like think of like a black flower that you mix into the soil to remineralize it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's fun to think about stuff in that way. Yeah, and you said the ocean water too. The ocean water that's you can get that online, you know, really simply. Or here you go, you can go down and just get some. Well, that's that's what I did. But word <laughs> to the wise: if you go get your own ocean water, what sometimes physics challenge me. So I took like a one of those five gallon hard plastic carboys, those big mm-hmm. you know water yeah. bottles, and I took it out to the beach and took it out into the water and was like trying to dunk it under the water to fill it up, you know. And it was a spectacle. I, <laughs> I, uh, people on the beach were probably like thinking, "There's an easier way to do that." Then I got home and um, my girlfriend at the time was like did you ever think you could just take like a bucket and then go fill up the bottle that has the little you know the little spout on top rather than I was trying to hold it underwater and I'm getting pounded by these waves she's like you realize you could just take the water out of the ocean up onto the beach then fill up the big bottles like ah yes where were you when I needed you I love the visual of you like with a bobber that won't go down <laughs> totally like, like who is this like trying to you know WWF this under the water that's awesome yeah it was not that awesome because um, it was really <laughs> cold at the time but that you know I go through these little periods when I learn about something like that I have to try it I have to try it and then, you know, some of those habits stick and some of them don't. I'm mm-hmm. sure you guys realize that yeah. from what you do as well. So we've covered a few things to avoid. What are some of the favorite ingredients that you guys like to work with, like in terms of the upgrades? You know, if you want to jing, what is it, jing it up? Jing, jing it, it up. up. If you want to jing it up, like what are what are some things that people might be able to experiment with in terms of um, adaptogenic herbs or tonic herbs and stuff? Um, for me, it's a little bit of a complex question only because I always approach it just like how I would approach making a drink for somebody and that's understanding like what their constitution is a little bit. So for me, I'll, I'll answer it personally. Um, my body type, like Ayurvedically, I have a lot of vata dosha, which means essentially that my my frame, I have a skinny frame, uh, colder constitution, and my my system is more catabolic. It tends to be more catabolic. So I lean really towards the uh, anabolic foods and anabolic herbs and things like that. Uh, As far as herbs go, I love ashwagandha. That's probably the best uh, vata balancing herb in in Ayurveda. So it's also known for being good for libido and uh, good for helping to regulate sleep patterns. And it's one of those herbs you may not notice something immediately from it, although I gave it to a friend of ours the other day, and she immediately was like down out of her head and grounded. Um, she's very sensitive, though. But normally, it's one of those herbs you take it over weeks and months to, to have a gradual shift. Um, and it also it influences um, GABA receptors in the brain as well. It, it's been found, which is probably one of the reasons why it helps to regulate sleep patterns. So ashwagandha is one of my go-tos. I like a lot of the Jing herbs. So I, I like Hoshi Wu from, from the Chinese system. Immune-wise, I love Chaga. I use that a lot, Astragalus, those types of things. And then as far as foods go, I'm definitely fat-heavy. I love ghee and coconut. I was born in 1979, 
So I grew up in the 1980s, and even back in the 1980s as a kid, not knowing anything, only knowing the social paradigm that fat's bad for you, I was like, gosh, my body just really likes fat. Like, I knew it back then, but I didn't know why. You know, I didn't know the science behind it. So um, any of the anabolic things, I, I really like good quality dairy, too. Um, here in California, you can get raw dairy right off the shelf at, at Erewhon or any good health food store. And I have some heirloom kefir grains. So I've been doing like a double fermentation uh, raw kefir with that. And that's amazing. So good quality dairy is definitely at the top. That's awesome. You just reminded me I have some raw goat kefir brewing or oh, <laughs> fermenting nice. in the cabinet. <laughs> Sometimes I forget about it though because I keep it in the dark and then like, I don't know, five days go by and I, there's no mold on it. It's just like super tart. Yeah. But it, the good thing about that is when people come over, they won't drink it because it's like so sour tasting, which I like it. It almost tastes like alcohol in a way. You know, it's like super, super strong. What do you mean by double fermenting your kefir though? Oh, so because I have kefir grains, mm -hmm. so I put it, so I fermented with the kefir grains and then strain out the kefir grains and then continue to ferment it. And it's actually in that second stage where it develops the carbonation. Dude, no way. Yeah. So I can strain out my grains because I got some grains from some Amish people in Colorado, like family jewels passed down yeah. <laughs> through the Amish and then to my dad. And I flew them back here yeah. from Colorado. Um, so I strain the, because uh, what I do is I strain the grains out and then I put those in a little jar and I just keep mm -hmm. them in the fridge with some food, you know, some milk for them to eat. But then I just start drinking the kefir. So you're saying put the kefir back out after you've removed the grains? Yeah, five days is a bit long, though. I mean, I, I usually do like one <laughs> I'm day, I'm probably one day. exaggerating. I mean, <laughs> okay. it's maybe, I don't know, three or four days. You know. <laughs> so I usually do 24 hours, and it obviously depends how, how warm the room is and how much grains you have to milk. But generally speaking, I usually do 24 hours with the grains and then strain out the grains and then do another 24 hours. Cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And so does Eve, are you using uh, cow milk, like yes. raw cow milk? Mm -hmm. And do you know where to get a2 milk or are you using regular A1 milk just to geek out and we can explain what that means to people. Yeah, um, usually for convenience, um, I'm getting the stuff in the store. So that's that's usually A1 is Holstein. Yeah. Oh, but, so. But when, when I can, when we have the time, I definitely go for the Amr stuff, right. the imported Amr stuff. And then, right. and then yeah. we go meet them. We have to know the secret handshake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. It is a convoluted system. You go yeah. see the, the guys down at the docks. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, I, I ask because I mean, for those of you who are listening, there's different breeds of of cattle, basically, yeah. right? And you have like more heritage breeds, and they produce something from the old world, which is the A2 milk, and it tends to be less inflammatory than. Most of the cows in America are A1 cows. It's just the type. I don't know. That's how they type them. Am I you getting that Guernsey, kind of right? You want the Guernsey and Jersey in cows. In Jersey have the, yeah, the, the airline ones. ones. Uh, I see. Okay. Not the Holstein. Yeah. And then what's interesting about the dairy piece too is that a lot of people think they're allergic to dairy, but it's just because they're drinking homogenized and pasteurized, right. like watery, weird, hormone-laden, antibiotic-laden, like non-milk. It's not even actually milk by that point, you know what I mean? So have you found that people are less sensitive to like real raw dairy? Oh, definitely, definitely. Actually, it was funny. My sister was just in town. She's She lives in New England, but she was out here for a longevity conference. And so we're just, you know, Shooting, shooting the shit, and um, you know she has three kids, so we don't get to just gab like that a lot. And so growing up, I, I was a big milk drinker growing up. She hated milk growing up, and then later on, it turned out she had a real lactose sensitivity. 
And so we were talking, and it turns out now I knew that her family was getting raw milk where they're where they're at. They get it from a local farm, but I didn't realize she was drinking it. And she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm good with the raw stuff. I do raw raw cream, raw milk, raw cheese." She's like, "I'm I'm fine with it, no problems at all." And I think that gets back to the A1, A2 thing where it's like, okay, some people are probably going to be sensitive to that. Some people are going to be sensitive to lactose. And the the form that it's in and the sensitivity and, and the, the gut biome of the person and the genetics, because you know 33% of the world's population has um, uh, lactase persistence, where genetically they've actually adapted and they create more lactase enzyme that breaks down lactose as an adult. So there are just so many factors. So you know I find that especially where I ferment a lot of it, that the A1 thing doesn't factor in. I mean, I, I, I feel great with it, and that's really what I go by. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know subjectively. I mean, I don't tend to, I just don't go get raw cow milk. I usually just buy the raw goat milk and I make the kefir out of it. But someone brought me the other day that does like a lot of Amish you know, dealings and like, you know, that it's like this underworld of like raw dairy and stuff. Right, it's yeah. it's really weird. It's hard to explain, listener, if you haven't been in it, but go to the farmer's market and find the person selling milk and you'll find out there's this whole world, the secret world of dairy. But she brought me some raw milk. Just, I don't know, I think it was just A1, like regular raw milk. And um, she just poured me like half a glass of it. And I was like, oh, if I drink that, I'm going to get the runs, you know? And I thought, well, maybe it's raw. I haven't had that in a long time. And I drank it and I felt amazing. But I guarantee you right now, if I drink like from the grocery store, like you guys mentioned, go to Ralph's, drink a glass of just quote unquote milk, I will be like <laughs> making a mess in my pants in like 30 minutes. I mean, it's not pretty. And so I just avoid milk and cheese and things like that. But it's it's so weird because... You know, like I can eat ghee, you know, that has like the things that would make you react to it. And it's usually grass fed and all that ghee my body loves. Um, grass fed butter, no problems at all. So, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, I can't do dairy. I don't eat dairy. It's just they're having the wrong kind or the wrong mm. version of it, right? Yeah. yeah. They don't even know the other thing exists. Like they just, they, it all gets lumped together. I loved that it was um, July of last year on the front cover of Time magazine. It was a curl of butter and it says, we got it wrong. And I love that the that the article was really um, very foot you know forward in saying that you know that the CLA the stuff that's in the butter helps modulate our hormones. It's good for us, but again, it has to be the good stuff. When you're talking about um, walking into any grocery store or uh, a convenience store and grabbing a gallon of milk, that it appears to be milk, but it's not. Just like even the water comes out of the tap, it appears to be water. But it's not. It's something else. So, and when you start saying to people, like, oh, we'll have to live in a bubble and blah, blah, blah. Well, the bottom line is really is, like, you decide what's important, and then you kind of go from there. And then with us being tonic Chinese herbalists, actually global herbalists, we like to work with the elements. So you pick those four elements, you know, make sure your air is good, make sure your water is good, make sure your earth or the place you live, that soft place to fall, is good. And then the last thing is that you want to make sure that the food you're taking in is good. And so if you could discern on different levels about what it is you're, you're having and then start trying those things that are not conventional but are organic, then you'll, you'll be surprised at what you can actually take and what makes your body happy mm. and actually starts to reverse aging. And I can attest to that myself. Mm. The interesting thing about goat milk, going back to goat milk, is that goats will eat wild herbs. When, when they're pastured. So I remember in one of the blue... I think, I think they eat like tin cans and stuff. Oh, they'll eat all kinds <laughs> yeah. of stuff, yeah. But it's I never thought about strong the Strong hydrochloric acid to eat tin cans, right? <laughs> but in, in one of the blue zones that they studied, um, 
it was actually theorized that a lot of these uh, centenarians were drinking goat milk, large amounts of goat milk. And there was a specific herb in that area that the goats ate that was a strong anti-inflammatory and antiseptic herb. And so the theory was that that specific herb that those goats were eating, the properties were getting transferred into the milk. And that's one of the reasons why these people were living so long. Well, that's interesting uh, on the t- topic of animal products. And I do want to cover some information for people that don't eat animal products as well, because I know there's a lot uh, of them and they're growing in numbers. But I always think about like eating animals that you're eating what they ate. You know, yep. it's like you, you're not what you eat, you're what you ate, ate. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like the goat milk that I get um, from Air, actually, I get it from Lassen's now, but Air One has it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm the, the a hole that like called the farm on their 800 numbers, like, what kind of water do the goats drink? <laughs> and they're like, seriously? I'm like, yeah. Are you guys, fe- are, do they get municipal water? Because that, think of how much water is in a pint of milk. Right. And it's like, I don't know the percentage, but there's a lot of damn water in it's there. Most, it's mostly water. Yeah. And they're like, uh, with the, you know, some fat and whatever else is in there and they're like oh no it's a well water or something or spring water whatever it was i was like all right cool because i'm drinking pints and pints of that every week right so i don't i just if i have a choice i'm not going to drink that water and of course the same is true when you're talking about cattle and any other animals that you're eating it's like well what are they eating farmed fish you know that's one of the Uh. main beefs with farmed fish is like dude (laughs) you're eating like a piece of farmed salmon that's like concentrated um gmo corn you know, and then the fats that are created from eating grains, right? So that's why you don't want your animals eating grains when they're not born. Like nature or God did not create them to eat that food. It's just like if we were eating tin cans. <laughs> you know, it's like don't eat humans that eat metal. But it's just it, you know, you just think about it in common sense. Like what does nature do? And I know we can't follow that. It's like you can't live like you said in a bubble. I mean, you got to live your life. I was telling you guys just the other day, I stopped at a gas station. I ate a bag of peanut M&Ms, and they were amazing. It was so (laughs) goddamn good. Aflatoxins, corn syrup, food coloring, preservatives, probably all GMO, everything. The glaze on them is probably made from manure or something, and it's like... They were amazing. I just loved those M&Ms. But I'm not going to do that every day. That's like every few months. I go, ah, you know, I'm going to live a little. Stop being so controlling and rigid. But I think if you, you know, you align yourself with nature and you think about the food you're eating, where did it come from? The soil, the water, the um, everything that the animal is eating if you eat animal, right? It goes back to our blueprint. And, you know, our friend, well, our, our, our collective friend, Daniel Vitalis, it really is about your primal blueprint. We're, we're built to have that food. We're built to have that sunlight. We're built to have that water. And when we're giving it something other, then it's got to readjust. And we aren't giving it enough nutrients to be able to readjust. And that's why we're seeing these chronic, really seriously chronic diseases in 20-year-olds. We see 20 and 30-year-olds that have issues that people, you know, that are my age, 59 or older, um, are just starting to experience. And they're, they're getting it now. And a lot of these people were, you know, the kids that they're you know, their plastic bottle was put in the microwave with soy milk, and that's what they fed them, you know, when they were babies. So we're seeing now the the residual of that. So it does make a difference. And, it, and you are, you, you were absolutely correct. And there isn't, I don't think there's any scientist or, or anyone who does any kind of nutrition at all, even regular doctors, that, you know, you are what you eat. So I, I know that that's really important to, to pay attention to that and know where things are coming it, from. And and it's funny, too, because we both come from the whole world of biohacking and that sort of thing. So really, though, it's just trying to hack current technology 
to have the effects that we're used to with nature. So that's you know the flux on the computer or the orange glasses to to neutralize that. You know what we've been used to just having fire at night. You know or what our eyes are used to, or anything else. We were talking about uh, before we started. We both own vitalizers to to spin our water. Well, that's just you know if you're getting water coming out of a spring in nature, it's been vitalized. You know, but being in an urban environment having bottled water, you know you you lose something there. So it's really just it's understanding why nature is wired the way that it is, and then trying to get back to that as much as possible. Because as Joy was just saying, that's how we're wired to receive all that. Right. We've, we've honestly, as a as a nation, we've you know gone ahead and sacrificed our health for convenience, and that really is the bottom line. So if things take you know a couple minutes longer, or you're able to you know work it out, like for example, just taking your food and, and going to the farmer's market. Make that Sunday. Make it make it the, the thing you get to do, not what you got to do. I get to do this. I get to go and, and pick this and get better food for less money. Come home, batch cook it. I'm good for the whole week. I've saved time. I've saved money. And I'm healthier at the end of the day instead of just running by the seat of my pants all week and, and doing in and out and drive through and and at the end, what do you have at the end of the day for that? You know, you've got, you know, headaches and issues and, and inflammation that you don't need to have. And it's not it's not because it goes, oh, I'm just getting old. It's because you're giving your body, you're overwhelming your body. I know. That's what always drives me crazy when, you know, we get, we're getting used to the disease paradigm. It's like, oh, yeah, you get older. This is just what happens. Your kidneys fail and you go on dialysis. I'm always like, uh, no, you don't. Like, you guys listening, study Weston Price. I mean, like, people that have been untouched by industrial civilization, indigenous people throughout history living around the world, don't have the diseases we have. The human body is actually not meant to degrade. You're meant to just age and gracefully die or, you know, get eaten by a lion or whatever the case may be. So I can't stand that way of thinking that it's inevitable that you're going to get sick. It's just like, it doesn't have to be that way. And if you want to heal, you kind of just have to eliminate the things that you're doing that made your body sick in the first place. And your body has the innate ability with a little boost here and there to actually heal itself. Well, now you're jumping in my head because I was just going to mention Western Price. And, you know, people forget how much things have changed in the last hundred years. So, yeah, when, when Western Price went around the world studying all the indigenous cultures he could who were still eating their original diets, I mean, the, the rate of tooth decay was like, you know, 0.4 out of 100 teeth or something like that. They didn't have dentists you know, and yet today it's perfectly normal to have 15 cavities and to need, you know, all this dental work and to have, um, you know, malformed jaws and, and, and facial bones because of the uh, nutritional deficiencies that we've had in the last hundred years. I mean, it's an entire multi-billion dollar industry that's just normal. Oh, you just go to the dentist. That's what you do. Well, People didn't used to have to do that a hundred years ago. You know, we, we see <laughs> movies and you know they depict you know middle aged um, uh, people as you know having their their teeth falling out and rotting out and stuff like that. But that's just Hollywood. You know, when you actually look at all the indigenous cultures, they had amazing dental health, amazing um, jawbones and, and uh, facial features. I mean, it's just it's crazy. I've always tripped on on that because when you study the Western Price stuff and he you know would photograph these indigenous people, they have these amazing teeth, yeah, like these huge, white, expansive smiles, you know. And then now it's funny because I, I look at people's teeth a lot, and I notice just in you know our generation or my generation, people's teeth are oftentimes very crowded and crooked, yeah. and we need braces and this stuff, and it's like not normally like that, and it's. Also something I've noticed, I think it's just a, um, a primal kind of DNA search for a mate. Like, 
teeth are really something I look at mm-hmm. when I'm assessing like the attractiveness or beauty of someone. And it's, I think, God, what a dick I am. I'm so superficial. But it's like, no, it's kind of wired into me. Like if someone has a nice broad smile and really straight teeth, whether they're naturally that way or not, doesn't matter. I'm like, I really find them like viable yeah, <laughs> you know, and attractive, you know what I mean? I think it's like my DNA going, yeah, that's a good person to mate with so that we can procreate and, you know, have the um, the chances of the offspring surviving and thriving are greater. You know, it's interesting like that. But the teeth are very telling, I think, in our, our DNA and our geology, right? Yeah. Genealogy. Yes. And I, I, I love that you brought that up because something is simple. And uh, I don't know the study off the top of my head, but they were seeing what it is when um, when a male looks at, at a female um, or vice versa, what they look for. And teeth was one of them. The other thing is, this is even more subtle, it's the ring around the eye, around the iris. When that ring is, you know, dark, and it doesn't matter if you have blue eyes or what have you, then, you know, that's that's youth and it's um, a certain amount of virility. So they're looking at, we look we look at the, if, if it's a cloudy eye, a little glaucoma, or it's just not right, then they look a little older. If it's veined, it looks a little older. Just like the color of the hair. You know, when we see um, silver hair, it's like, oh, they're past their prime. So it's it's something that's innate. It's, it's built into our ability to sense because that's how we move through life, you know, through all of our instincts and all of our, and those instincts are, you know, visual. They're, you know, through our, our auditory. We feel our way through life and our current situation and how we've come about growing up now is that we kind of let life be told to us how it's supposed to go and we've dropped and let go of our instincts. So to be able to hone your instincts and bring those back up really makes a difference. It also allows people to have, you'll find, uh, we'll have longer, long-term relationships and relationships with people more often, um, even if it's, you know, from one girlfriend to the next or what have you, uh, that are more suited for them because they'll, they're working with their instincts instead of their Hollywood laundry list. Yeah, that's funny because in our PC culture, like acknowledging your instincts and having some reverence for them is almost frowned upon. If yeah. I said, oh, I would be attracted to a woman because she had a great smile or had large breasts that looked like could take care of a baby. Now I'm a chauvinist asshole. You know, it's like, I can't help it. That's what my eyes do. I'm, it's not like a mental thing. My eyes go there. You know, it's, I think it's the, a bane of a lot of men. It doesn't mean that you're objectifying someone. Your DNA, your biology is objectifying them, not your belief system or the way you were brought up or the fact that you don't value them as a living spirit that's equal to you. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's like you can't say anything anymore without offending someone, which is kind of the purpose of my show to offend people. <laughs> Because <laughs> they can just turn it off, you know. It's great. I'm losing listeners by the second. Go, ladies. I understand. Yeah, but okay. all, all those things. When you look at you know skin, hair, nails, all, all those things are you know. I mean, we know that they're cues, but biologically, we are wired to really to to know as a matter of life or death and a selection, you know, for our offspring why those make a difference. So you know, the long, thick hair, you know, is a sign of really good nutrition. And selling a lot of shampoo. (laughs) This is where all advertisers know this, right? People in marketing, they understand the human needs and the human instincts. And those are the things that they, you know, capitalize on. Oh, yeah. Make them insecure, sell their product. Make them insecure, sell the product. Exactly, which happens a lot in the health (laughs) industry, too. But while we're talking about um, natural indigenous people and um, our genes and what we carry on to the next generation, I noticed that you guys... 
are very successful in feeding vegans and preparing food mm -hmm. and um, regimens for vegans. It's, you're one of the few people that I'm aware of that have like 50-50 kind of spread. You know, you can do it vegan style, you can do it like quote-unquote paleo style, which I think is really smart because you're just able to help more people. Uh, I think that the, you know, the positionalities that people have, like I'm a this, I'm a that, are not so healthy in many cases. And um, I think it's great people choose whatever they want to do, but I like that you guys are kind of serving both of those communities. I'm always curious of this because I used to be a vegetarian and I was very malnourished, you know, for a number of different reasons. And it just didn't work for me. I tried it for 10 years. I finally threw in the towel. I was never vegan, but um, was definitely a vegetarian for a lot of different reasons. As one of them being just like, the only meat that was available really at that time, you know, unless you knew a farmer or something, was kind of the factory farm meat. And I knew that wasn't good. So I'm like, I'm not eating that. And I saw the way the animals were treated. I'm not down with that. And now you have these sort of boutique farms and, you know, a different way. Well, not, a di not it's not a new way of raising animals. Uh, it's the original way, you yeah. know, which is like treating the animal with some respect and letting it, letting it live a dignified life and feeding it the food it's inherently meant. But I always wonder... Um, since veganism is relatively new, and on record there's not a multi-generational sort of proof that that's a viable uh, way to eat for long-term health. In other words, there haven't been like a family of, you know, a couple vegan, they have a vegan kid, then that kid has a baby with another vegan, then they, and so on and so on for a few generations. So you can really see, do, do, do our teeth end up showing up right? And, you know, is, does it work? So I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to be alive long enough to find out because I think this is the first generation that I'm aware of where there's, you know, large groups of people that are trying veganism. But when you approach people that you're preparing menus for or guiding or coaching in any way, how do you address the, the nutritional deficiencies inherent to the vegan diet like what's really in your in your perspective missing from that diet and how can you get it without touching animal products yeah there's um well, b12 comes to mind right off the bat and but because everyone's welcome at our table and i have to say that there's there's periods in people's lives there's different seasons in people's lives or because of their situation especially if they've got um they've been just been told they have cancer or they have other issues um, to detoxify the body, you you can't really can't do much better than green juice. You just can't. Um, putting it into the into the body and then using something, um, even with our DNA detox, um, helps to you know clean out the body, get it square, get the biome square. Uh, most people that we work with that uh, are vegans, and of course we honor that. We show them the best ways to be able to. Um, stack their meals and be able to put certain nutrients, even with supplementation, so that it's beyond the plate. It's not just about making the smoothie, but it's making the smoothie with all these different um, super pow powders uh, to be able to get that nutrient density. Otherwise, uh, what we call junk vegans will walk around eating nothing but rice cakes and you know maybe drinking some orange juice every once in a while. They're terribly deficient, and that's that's also true of of people who or omnivores too that are eating you know things that don't don't have nutrient density. So the the first thing is we show them how to find the nutrient density and then what those things are and we always default to the superfoods for that. And um, then we also show them how to do it in every aspect. It's not just like your lunch, it's the salad dressing, it's the drink, it's everything that goes on to that. Every condiment has to now be you know fortified so that you're bringing yourself up to uh, a level where you're seeing a difference in I love we always have our clients. I want to see the, the cop in the I want to see evidence. I want to see the blood work. I want to see your hormone panel. I want to see all these things. So we know that not only we're in the right direction, but that you don't need something more. 
<laughs> I forgot that you're an ex-police uh, officer, so that makes sense. You want to see the evidence. Yeah, and it, it makes it makes people see the litmus. I love it when people, because otherwise you're just swinging a cat in a dark room trying to hit something. You really want to be able to to go, this is where I am. This is where I want to be. Where am I in 30 days? Where am I in 60 days? Where am I in 90 days? And sometimes it's just a matter of, it, it, again, it's, sometimes it's beyond the plate. And I don't want to go off on a, down a rabbit hole about things like EMFs and sleeping with your cell phone under your pillow. But sometimes that gets rid of the headaches they're having. Yeah, you know, or, or why they have hair loss on one side of the head. Oh, my God. Have you seen that? Yeah. So when wow. you've got hair loss or thinning on one side of the head and you realize that, you know, they're sleeping with their phone under their, on that side. You know, there's, there's so many different aspects. So we look at it holistically. We go to the house, we, we do EMF um, testing in the house, we find where the hot spots are. You know, we move, we've actually moved beds away from walls and they've been able to sleep better, things like that. And again, this is not just true for vegans, but it's also true for all of our, our clients. Um, so when you look at your, the totality of your circumstance, that's really the best place to start, which is why we love the whole biohacking thing. It allows you to take each thing layer by layer and then to uh, adjust it and elevate it, adjust it and elevate it. So it doesn't matter if it's the difference between, for example, for someone who doesn't do um, a certain type of protein, if they're not eating meat, then where else can we get you know the, the components that are in that meat? Where can we get the CLA? Where can we get that? Where can we get these different things, you know, algae you know, oils and things like that? So that's how we try to fortify it, to honor what they do. Again, it's true for people who are eating diets that they don't even realize are deleterious to their body. So we stand in the gap where those holes are. Yeah. And as you were saying, you know, veganism as a concept is pretty new in the last 50 years. I, I think, off the top of my head, I think vitamin B12 was discovered in the mid-1950s. So, you know, that was kind of a, a last component for people to really have the, the option of having a, a vegan diet. So, But uh, fat-soluble nutrients is definitely one thing. So... Uh, vitamin A, you know, you don't have actual vitamin A, vitamin A in plant foods. You have vitamin A precursors, beta carotenes, things like that. So, eating your beta carotenes with fat is a good way to get more conversion to retinol, the actual active form, which can be found in um, milk and eggs and things like that. So, fat soluble nutrients. Um, natto is good for vitamin K two which comes from the bacteria and the natto. Which, but I used to eat natto. Now I get like a K2 supplement that's made from natto, you know, yeah. just like a pill. But I think that's a great suggestion actually for mm. a vegan that doesn't have a problem eating fermented soybeans. But natto, you guys, smells like, I mean, socks is not even doing it justice. It's like <laughs> it's like socks that you, and this is not a very good selling uh, point here, but um, like socks that you used as toilet paper and then like left in your garage for a month. How about a Greyhound <laughs> bus station bathroom. Yeah. No, it's I'm 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 halfway jokey, but natto, I mean I I used to eat it. I just, you know, I whatever, it's a phase I went through and then I just yeah. stopped ordering it. There's a company in San Francisco that I'll find for the show notes that makes like the most kind of pure and mm. I think according to the original, you know, Japanese recipe, but it's immensely um, powerful in terms of probiotics and vitamin K2, right? The K2, as I understand it, is actually created by the bacteria. Yeah. Is that how it works? And so right. that's how some supplement companies are able to kind of extract the K2 from that bacteria medium. Right. Vitamin B12 is created by bacteria also. Right. So, you know, you can get that in supplement form. Joy, Joy mentioned the 
algae oil for a long chain omega-3 fatty acids, which again, I think anytime you're going to be cutting out things from your diet, especially whole food groups, like if you're not eating meat or you're not eating any animal foods, I think the testing becomes even much, much more important to make sure you're not getting a deficiency. So maybe you don't even need algae oil and you're eating a lot of chia seeds and your body's converting that you know, to, to DHEA. Well, but maybe not. You know, and there are all kinds of now genetic fluctuations. I mean, we we're just talking about how, you know, we have this degeneration that's happened in the last hundred years, and now there are more uh, genetic defects than ever before. So, for everybody to know that is important, but especially if you're cutting out major parts of what has been a normal diet for as long as you know we we have human records for. So, all that's important. Uh, getting amino acid testing, I would say, is important for vegans, especially because they may be deficient in you know some of the amino acids like taurine or something that are found you know in animal foods, and you know maybe they're not considered to be an essential amino acid, but um, having chronic deficiencies can lead to, you know, not making enough neurotransmitters or, or things like that. I mean, it, your body as a whole, and when you have those deficiencies over time, they make a big impact. So, yeah, testing, I would say, would be the biggest thing. More fat in the diet so that your body's creating more of the fat-soluble nutrients. Awesome. That's very great advice from both of you, because I, I always wonder about that, because it's not what we've historically eaten. It's like why the three of us are sitting here is not because our great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents were all vegans, you know? Right. So it's a new thing, and I like the concept of it. I'm just, I'm always curious as to how it can uh, how it can work. And like we were talking about when I was telling you about eating the M&Ms earlier before the show, it's like, I don't know, maybe by blessing those M&Ms and really having good intentions, they aren't as harmful or could even be good for me. I really believe in the power of the mind. And so, you know, I think if you're eating a really clean, clean diet and you're paying attention to that, that I don't know, I know a couple of vegans, they seem happy and healthy to me, go for it, you know. I just for myself, I think I'm, I'm always curious about it because I tried a version of that and it just ended up really putting me at ill health, you know. So I'm always curious. But I think um, to summarize what you just said, Jay, it's sort of like, if you're going to go the vegan route, you kind of maybe would be advised to be a bit of a biohacker yeah. and, and go the extra mile to really yep. make sure you're doing some fine-tuning on that since it's a relatively new idea. Because you have a lot more margin for error to getting into trouble right. nutritionally. That totally makes sense because through all the fads I've gone through of like different ways to eat and supplements and herbs and everything, like I, I was looking on your website store, which by the way is fantastic and we'll put it in the show notes. They you know, um, recommend all of the products that they use. And you guys have very good taste, I got to say. And I've I've had all that stuff um, by and large. But it's like, I'm, and maybe this is why I'm in good health, but I'm in better health now and I take less of that stuff than ever before because I eat like farm to table. I mean, I do eat stuff equivalent to the farmer's market and I eat a lot of like, orange pastured egg yolks and the raw goat milk and just really clean animal products and tons of really good veggies and you know and then some superfoods like a lot of green juices and green powders and that kind of stuff and it's like huh that's weird I'm like healthier now than when I was like a super super health nut vegetarian for 10 years it's about you know? the terrain you've you've built your terrain and now you're you're reaping the benefits of the terrain that you've built um, just like when there's you know a flu or a bug or something you're probably less likely to get it than anyone else because your terrain is strong and that's basically what we show people to do. We show them how to you know, farm their own meat suit and be able to have the thing that they need or the things that they need that are where the gaps are. So when I said earlier about us standing in the gap, so 
with everyone being welcome at our table, we can sit down and have like the soup you had. That's a really good example. You had that kabocha soup. It's mineral rich. It's a it's a um, that particular pumpkin is more of a primal pumpkin. It's it's not been you know hybrided to you know crazy. It's it's organically grown. So you start with that pumpkin instead of the canned pumpkin that comes from wherever. And so we put the other nutrients in it, we put the other, um, and all the other superfoods, especially the herbs, are all plant-based anyway, so yay, you've got that going on. We put the coconut milk in there, the full-fat coconut milk, again, vegan happy, but then I separated the batch in one batch to honor people who are vegan that we're going to be feeding later on today, and you, who I know is not, um, we did the the protein in it from Bulletproof. That collagen and, and the protein is amazing, clean, beautiful, wonderful stuff, um, and we put ghee in it. So... You're, you could sit down like at Thanksgiving or just whenever and have the same food at the table. And I really want people, again, one of our main things is to get people back around the table. So to have everyone sitting around the table eating the foods that um, where someone's not like, oh, that's a bowl of weeds, and there's a bowl of meat, and there's a bowl, you know, it's, it's nice to have everyone feel like, you know, they belong around that fire. Because that's, again, that goes back to a primal thing for us. We need to be, feel like we're, we're part of that tribe. And it doesn't matter, you know, if that tribe is a family of friends that sometimes have deeper relationships than a families of families. Uh, we try to encourage that, and um, and that's where the food starts. I mean, really, the, where the food starts. If I had a family that could make food like you guys, I would be having Thanksgiving dinner every night. I've been, I, you know, I grew up in a very sort of fragmented family. There wasn't a lot of family dinners and holidays and stuff like that, and uh, so I'm not used to the idea of actually sitting down and really spending that time with people, by and large, I mean, sporadically. But I think that kind of brings us to the next thing I wanted to sort of cover as we round out the show is how important that sense of connection is. You know, it really is. I mean, I think that's why those family dinners, the few times I had them were so meaningful and special because you're really connecting with people that you love. And especially I've noticed for people in my life that have been interested in cooking and they enjoy it, I mean, the joy that it brings them to prepare food and then see people eat it, you know, and then having that sense of connection. And I think that that's something we're, by and large, we're really missing as technology kind of evolves and we're able to, in one respect, stay more connected. I know subjectively, I'm becoming in many ways more disconnected from people because it's like, I don't have to drive across town to see someone. I can text them or FaceTime them. And it's like, yeah, we're together, but we're not together. You know, hugging someone for three seconds, that's together, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So I, I love the idea of having food that's unifying and having the ability to kind of satisfy everyone at the table. It's just a great ethos because everyone does have very, you know, personal choices about what they eat. Now, you'd be hard-pressed, though, for me to have a dinner where it's like, cool, there's the GMO half of the table, you know? And then over here is organic. I think as a baseline, as we've <laughs> said, let's just go organic, and then, you know, you can figure out who wants to eat what bits of animals and what bits of plants. Right, right, we, but, we we don't go that far. We don't have the GMO side and the yeah. non-GMO yeah, side. No, it's, it's, all it's organic. Be, yeah. If they want to play with us, we have to start with, uh, with and the the common thread that runs through all of it is is as healthy and as grass fed and as or as um, well healthy as possible. You know where it doesn't bring a burden of toxins to the plate. So yeah, the GMO is uh, is is a nabra. Yeah, no, bro. <laughs> so that brings me to the next kind of topic I want to cover very briefly, and then we'll end. What are some recommendations in terms of mindset, you know, and just a way of sort of approaching life? Because we've talked about 
the foundation on the physical plane, the material plane, which is important. I mean, it all goes together, but what about the mental and the spiritual, just so we don't leave that out? Because you know, I'm sure like me, you can eat organic food all day long. And if you're walking around full of resentments and fear and a bunch of neurosis, then you're going to be as toxic as the person who's eating at McDonald's in one way. So what do you guys do to kind of keep your head together and your, your spirit together? I know for me in particular, the biggest thing was unplugging the television. Unplugging the television and uh, and and going out and watching the sunset and being able to um, sit for a few minutes, even in the morning, even in really super rushed days when you know you've got a plane that's getting ready to take off, you still take, I don't care if it's five minutes or 10 minutes, and you do a rampage of gratitude. Like, I'm, I'm grateful and really feel it. And you do, you know, I, I've, I've had this warm bed to sleep in. I'm not sleeping outdoors. I have, it can be simple things. I love my toothbrush. I love whatever it is. Like, all the things that you have that we need, we forget to be grateful for, it fills you up. And in, and you, you're able to start your day with this with this great energy uh, that allows you to to go forward and know that you're you're blessed. You're blessed. Even people who, from our point of view, might see, seem to have less or are still content and super happy. And that goes back to indigenous people, too. Like, they have less, and, less than the stuff that we, you know, uh, weigh our lives down with. But they're ridiculously happy. And they grow ha- and, they, and they have happy lives. So I think we can, we can glean a little bit of that. So besides my rampage of gratitude and watching the sunset, um, I have to say that it really does come to just doing a bit of a meditation practice. Like you've got to just quiet yourself and find the time for that. I don't care what time of day it is. Um, it could be while the sun's setting. You could you know get a twofer and watch the sunset and meditate at the same time. But it really does help me to just really, you know, get my bare feet in the grass, sit there, and be grateful for this experience because this is the only time I know that I'm doing this, and tomorrow's never given to us for sure. I've watched it happen, you know, and on the most ordinary of days, jacked up things happen. And you want to make sure that you're in a state of gratitude most times. And that's when it brings more gratitude and more wonderful things to you. And it allows you to manifest a remarkable life. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. Attitude of gratitude, I, I would put up at the top as well. You know, anybody who is in a Western country listening to a podcast is automatically in the top 10 or 20% of the most wealthy people on the planet. And we have so much to be grateful for just on a day-to-day basis, just from that standpoint alone. Um, you know, at the same time, we have more modern-day stressors. And, you know, we talked about EMFs and things like that. There's a lot of modern-day stress, pollution, et cetera, that, that we have to deal with that can get our systems, you know, out of whack in a way that they've never really been before because we're used to being on planet Earth, barefoot, you know, going to bed with this, you know, with sunset, et cetera, or, you know, flames at night, all those things. So um, personally, I, I do have a um, uh, kundalini yoga practice that, that I do regularly. I've done um, binaural bead technology for, for a very long time, and I really like that. And doing kind of self-inquiry or just kind of emotional work on yourself, too, because the more you kind of emotionally mature and the gratitude come comes along with that but you know if you're emotionally unstable or in chinese medicine you have shaky shen 
then you know you're going to freak out at, at, at the smallest thing. So you break a nail, and oh my god, you know you have this huge cortisol rush because you don't even know how to deal with it, and your nervous system is a wreck because of that. Versus you know somebody else, just take Joy for instance, with all of her law enforcement training. You know she's been in the most difficult situations and has wired herself to be able to, you know, be together and to, to not have that major panic attack, you know, because you've got to be cool under pressure when lives are at stake. So you can train yourself to, to be like that on, on a regular basis just for, you know, all of the ins and outs and, you know, L.A. parking tickets and everything else that, that comes, you know, with modern day life. Awesome. I didn't know you did Kundalini Yoga. That's where I just came from uh, before I met you guys. Oh, yeah. I, I do an at-home career yoga practice. Nice, dude. Yeah. yeah, that's been a game changer for me, too, about five years now. Yeah, totally, like, up-leveled everything. Cool. Thanks for those um, recommendations on the inside stuff. So in closing, I want to ask you guys a, a question. People seem to be very befuddled by this, and there's no perfect answer. Uh, every time people are like, whoa, whoa, I can see their head spinning. The final question is this. It's three parts. It's you've taught me a bunch of stuff today. You both have taught our listener a lot. So in effect, you've been our teacher, our inspiration. Who are some teachers or teachings that have influenced you? It could be a book, a person, a philosophy, anything like that. Not even health-related, just life in general. I mean, I've got a myriad of people who, when the rubber met the road for my health crisis, that I know that if it wasn't for uh, their wisdom, I wouldn't be here. So I'll start with Charlotte Gerson, you know, her father. Um, it goes right to, from there to David Wolf, Daniel Vitalis. I mean, there were so many people that you had, I had to sift through the information. So it resonated with my particular stage in life, with my challenge, with uh, being able to get myself square. Uh, the work with, of Esther Hicks and being able to listen to that and, you know, speak sense into your noggin when you're literally all over the place. So being able to make sense of, you know, we're all meant to be here. We have to, once we find, go back into that, that space when, you know, you were a kid and you knew in your heart that no matter what happened, it was going to be okay. Um, even if these even things that are challenging happen, it's still going to be okay. So I would say the people I mentioned, plus the, the work, um, even re recently in over the last, you know, several years, Dave Asprey's work, really inspirational. And there, there's, there's our entire wall and our, our, our two parts of our living room is, is just books from ceiling to, to floor. And there's so many people there that, you know, I feel like, you know, when you're at the Oscars, you have to, you know, thank everyone. There's really not enough time because there's wisdom that's been gleaned from each one of those volumes and from the researchers. And uh, it doesn't matter what the subject is that has made, that has tuned up and turned up and elevated how I'm able to discern things mitigate um, issues and be able to go forward in a, in a really beautiful flow state. So I would probably say the ones I mentioned and then a whole lot more. Awesome. Wow, that was really easy for you. And Jay, <laughs> if you're stumped, she gave six, so you, you, you're you off the hook for three. <laughs> no, what are, I, what, I could what say ditto, but no. A lot of the same figures that she mentioned in health, so I'll go uh, another route and say like the spiritual teachers that I've followed over the years that have been the most impactful would be um, Byron Katie, Adyashanti, and the man who calls himself Jed McKenna, which is probably a, a pseudonym, but um, Jed McKenna's work I, I really like, especially uh, spiritual warfare 
uh, is a lot about flow and seeing seeing the ordinary things in in life, seeing the the bigger picture, seeing the seeing the flow as things come into your life and manifest, and how what we consider to be you know, magic or, or manifestation are just really natural laws of the universe when you are looking through the right set of eyes. Awesome. Wow. I haven't heard of your, I've, I know Byron Katie's work. I'm dying to get her on the show one of these days. That's what I'm manifesting is <laughs> Byron Katie, people, if you're listening, we got to get her on her. Yeah, I love her stuff. The other two I was unfamiliar with, so we'll put those in the show notes and uh, I like the sound of that. So thank you very much for the great recommendations. You guys weren't stumped at all. <laughs> I, re- I like reversed uh, psychology to you guys, <laughs> like made it sound really hard. So you got tripped out for a second and then you're like, oh, it's that? Duh. Here, boom, 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 boom. And you nailed it. Actually, Luke, we figured everything out by ourselves. So there's <laughs> yeah. really no bad to think. <laughs> <laughs> there was no teacher. I am my own teacher. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much um, for joining me today. It's been really fun hanging out with you guys. I've seen you around for years, and you know we've said hi, and I've tasted everything you've ever made at all these conferences, but it's really a pleasure to sit down and get to know each of you. So where can our uh, audience find you guys? Give me some websites and social media, anything you want to share. All right, online, jingslingers.com, which is like gunslingers, only it's jing, so J-I-N-G slingers.com and then our, our handle on social media is the same so Facebook and Instagram um, dot com slash jingslingers and also you'll be able to see us well I don't know when this is going to air um, we're doing a book signing and a, a, a teach and taste at Air One uh, in Calabasas on the 20th of October and then again in, in Venice uh, Air One on the 27th oh cool you know what I'll see if I can't get this out I'm looking at my calendars the 12th now yeah let me see if I can get it out before then yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, we, we're looking forward to, to both those things. And then very shortly, Waterstone will be um, available to everyone where you can come and be completely immersed uh, in, in this lifestyle, and you can come and heal and, and get yourself square or just you know w- awaken some of those primal things that, you, uh, that you're, you're trying to nudge back into your life. And give us more details on that. That's where you guys are going in North Carolina? Yeah, it's, um, it's a, it's our, it'll be our center in North Carolina up in the mountains. And uh, we're riverfront, so it's um, it's a, it's a it's an amazing place to have not only nature heal you just by being there. The scalar energy is off the chain, but also um, we when you come and stay with us, then we literally do your breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and we give you breakfast in bed. So it's all good. Awesome. So like an upgraded Airbnb slash retreat kind of setup. Right. Yes, and we're gonna be teaching classes there too. So we'll have some um, uh, some classes for big groups at Waterstone. Now we're able to do um, you know couples or triple. Or you know, or four people at a time, and you and you have our exclusive attention. We don't book anyone else. It's like it's just you. Everything from from zip lining to archery to to learning how to make the food, and you can choose. You get to choose if it's going to be a culinary vacation or or a little bit of everything. That's fantastic. Great idea. We're going to link to all that stuff in the show notes, and uh, I think that's it, you guys. Thank you so much again for coming, and we'll see you soon. Oh, it's so much fun to play with you. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, good to get to know you finally, Luke. On behalf of Joy, Jay, and yours truly, Luke Story, I'd like to thank you for joining me on another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. I want to remind you to get over to LukeStory.com, click on the homepage where it says, Join My Tribe, and get hooked up with the newsletter so every week you can get notified when I do something new. 
You'll also find at my site, of course, the donations page where you can make a contribution to help support the show. Any help would be greatly appreciated. And I will see you next week for episode number 30 featuring Dr. Andrew Hill, who's a real brainiac when it comes to neuroscience. So we talk all about neurofeedback as well as smart drugs. It's a fascinating interview. Don't miss that next Tuesday. I'd like to take a moment to give a big shout out to livinglibations.com. This is where I personally get my face serums, lotions, natural deodorant that actually works and doesn't smell disgusting. It's amazing. It's called Poetic Pits. And where I, of course, get all of my tooth and gum and self-dentistry products. Living Libations is amazing. You can also get a whole suite of essential oils there that you can use for a number of different uses. And the best part of all, of course, is that I've got a sweet discount code for you for 10%. So go to livinglibations.com, enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout, and you will save 10%.